Amen. So good to have all of you here tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, if you will, to open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Peter. Praise the Lord. 2 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to look at this passage, and we're going to look at the, uh, oh, maybe the first nine verses, and then um, that may be all that we do with this book right now, so I don't mean to imply we're going to do this week by week for a long time, but I just sensed the Lord wanted me to get into this particular passage. And so I want to first read verses 1 through 9, and then we'll come back. And take some things apart here. Amen? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Notice that phrase, add to your faith. Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now I want to particularly focus on the thought of adding to our faith. You've noticed we, we emphasize that phrase. But before we get to that, there are a couple of things that I want you to notice about this passage that are important and, and interesting, I believe. And number one, we all know who Simon Peter is. He was the most outspoken of all the original 12 disciples. He was the one that Jesus had to rebuke, and he was also the one that later on after Pentecost just his shadow passing over somebody that was sick got them healed. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw him in his glory. He was there when the loaves and the fishes were multiplied, the dead was raised, the deaf were made to hear, the blinded eyes were opened, the lame were made to walk. He saw a lot. And he himself had come a long way from that beginning day when he fell at Jesus' feet and there before him, and he said, uh, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus truly did 
turn him into a fisher of men. But I want you to notice the very first verse, the very first phrase, how he refers to himself. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. I think that's very interesting. He didn't say, I'm an apostle. I've seen the resurrected Jesus, and so that makes me a big shot. No, he said, I'm a servant first. That was his first priority was serving the Lord. That's a good lesson for all of us. And he goes on to say to them that have obtained like or uh, the same kind of precious faith with us. Now think about that for a minute. Everyone who reads this, because this is inspired scripture, is being told here by the Apostle Peter that we have the same kind of faith that he had. Now think about it. He walked on water. I know he didn't go far. But he walked on the water. I mean, he's got me beat by ever how many steps he made. Um, and he says, the kind of faith I have is the same kind of faith you have. So you have water walking faith. You have the faith to heal the sick, raise the dead. You have the faith to declare the truth and to bind and loose, you have that power. You have that faith, like precious faith with us, he says, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that phrase, God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, those who are uh, versed in the Greek language, they would tell you that what Peter is actually saying here is not just talking about God the Father and Jesus. He is equating Jesus to God. Now, I'm not a oneness Pentecostal, so that's not what Peter's saying. He's not saying that God and Father, uh, God the Father and God the Son are the same. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying that Jesus is as much God as the Father or the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's important to, to recognize and understand that, that Jesus is not a lesser being uh, of any kind, but he was with the Father always. He was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 2, he goes on to say, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now that reflects uh, a phrase that we see a lot in the New Testament. You see that in many of Paul's letters. Grace and peace. And always grace is first. Because you really can't have peace without God's grace. You will never walk in a place and enjoy the peace of God unless you first partake of the grace of God. Amen. Grace is God's blessings and favor that we have not earned, cannot earn, will never pay for, and we do not deserve, but God gives it to us anyway. Now, the other side of the coin, if you will, is mercy which is all the punishment we should have and we certainly deserved, but we don't have to have because of mercy. So I like that chorus. We're going to have to learn that chorus, Your Grace and Mercy. Amen. It uh, has brought me out. Hallelujah. Anyway, grace and mercy, be, uh, grace and peace rather, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice, the blessings of grace and the blessings of peace will be multiplied through the what? The knowledge of God. 
Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way. I'm reading from the old Amplified Classic. At verse 2 says, May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears, and agitating passions, and moral conflicts, be multiplied to you in, notice this, this phrase, in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, I want, to, I want to go over that last part again. May it be multiplied to you in the full, everybody say full, personal, that means you, of course, and me individually, precise and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That word knowledge there is the Greek word epignosto, ep, epignosis, and uh, probably I know I didn't say it right. I'm not Greek. I'm hillbilly. So, you know, when the Greek comes out with a hillbilly accent, no telling what it'll be. But anyway, that's the same word that Paul used in Ephesians chapter 1 when he said to, when he prayed for the Ephesians, that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Jesus. So, so the spirit that brings revelation knowledge brings to us full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And notice, this is, is uh, how we are going to partake of the grace and peace. So the reason I'm belaboring the point is to tell you that it really is important that you are taught and fed the Word of God and that you personally feed on the Word of God and study and read and speak the Word of God because it's through this precise and accurate knowledge of God that you're going to be able to partake of the benefits. In other words, what you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know is most likely what you're going to do without. Because as we said Sunday morning, faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't believe for something you don't know about. If I, if I tell you that I've got $1,000 in my hand and I'm going to give it to somebody here tonight, what do you know if you trust me and you believe me and, and you see that I've got 10 $100 bills in my hand, what would you know? Well, you would know that somebody is going to get $1,000. And that's comforting a little bit. That's some information. But if I were to say that, Sister Margaret, I've got $1,000 in my hand I'm going to give to you, then you would be able to rejoice that you know that you know that you know it's my will and I have the resources to give you $1,000. Now that's exactly what God is saying to every one of us through his word is that I am willing to give to you all these benefits of my grace and my peace, the covenant of blood that Jesus sealed at the cross at Calvary. I'm willing for all the benefits and blessings of the New Testament to come to you, but it's necessary that you know about them. 
It's necessary that you know the will of God in these areas. And so this is why it's so important that we don't come to Christianity and we just make a confession of faith only and we kind of check that box and then we go about the rest of our lives. But you know, that's what a lot of people do. You know people like that. Some of you work with people like that. Some of you, they're next door neighbors perhaps like that. If you were to ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, they'd say yes in an instant. They'd say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. And if they were to die, would, would somebody get up and say they went to heaven? Oh, yes, somebody no doubt would. I mean, when's the last time you ever went to a funeral and anybody gave any information that that person wasn't just a saint and in heaven right now? How many of you know that not everybody goes to heaven? I mean, I know that's not politically correct to teach these truths, but they are truths. Only the born again, only those who know Jesus are going to heaven. And Christianity is not just a one-time event. It's not just a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And like I said, we check that box and we go our way and we don't have anything anymore to do with all this. No, this is a lifestyle. This is incorporating the reality of God into every part of your being, spirit, soul, and body, 24-7, 365 days a year. You are a believer. You're conscious of God when you awake in the morning. You're conscious of Him when you go to bed at night. You're conscious of Him throughout the day. You're in constant communication. You may not always be on your knees. You might not be always speaking out loud, but you are constantly reaching out to God. That's the Christian life. And you make your decisions based on what the Bible says. If the Bible says something's wrong, then it's wrong. It's wrong in America. It's wrong in Nigeria. It's wrong in Taiwan. It's wrong in Colombia. And if it was wrong 2,000 years ago, guess what? It's wrong in 2022 right now in the month of September. Whatever the Bible said, it's still saying. It's a living book. And whatever God meant when he said these words, he still means. We have to be very careful that we don't get awash in the cultural mess and sewer that's out there and begin to let down our uh, sensibilities about what's right and what's wrong, what pleases God, what doesn't please God. It's a battle. It's a big job, and it's especially a big job for parents to deal with these issues in today's world. But if we don't stay in the knowledge of God, we will not partake of the blessings of God. So that's why one of the reasons, not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons why you need to go to church regularly. You need to be taught and fed the Word of God by somebody from some people who actually know something about the Word of God. And then you yourself need to feed on the Word of God. Every day you need to have your Bible open. I'm not saying you have to read 15 chapters a day. I'm not saying you have to read a whole book, you know, uh, every week. I'm just saying you need to be in the Word every day. And you need to feed on the Word. Don't just read it so you can check that box off. But read and feed. Read and feed. You know, sometimes you go somewhere, a really nice place to eat, and they give you more food than you can eat. 
you know, we've all probably experienced that. And how many times have we said, can I have a box? And they bring you a box and you put the stuff in the box and you just get up from the table and go home and on the way home you realize, I forgot my box. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Well, that's because they give you more than you can eat. Well, the Word of God is a lot like a good meal that way. You're not going to be able to take it all in in one sitting. You're not going to be able to understand it all tonight. You're not going to get everything. So learn to feed on the Word of God as you march through. You know, sometimes I like to just start at the beginning of the New Testament and finish all the way out. And then there have been times, you know, to start at the front of the Bible and go all the way through. Various ways, and I'm, I, you know, there are lots of good plans to help you read the Bible in a year and all that. And that's all good. But when you find something that begins to speak to your heart and you're sitting there and you know the Holy Ghost is talking to you, it wouldn't matter if all you got through was five verses. If God's speaking to you, let him speak. Amen. Let him feed you on his word. Amen. So we need the knowledge of God. We will receive it as we study it, as we read it, as we meditate upon it. And we'll also receive from it as we hear those who are called of God and anointed of God to teach and preach the Word of God. We need it coming to us both ways. I remember a gentleman uh, who used to, we used to be on radio every day. And at one point in time, we were on about five different stations in this part of the country. And uh, uh, it was a blessed time. It was a good thing. And so anyway, I remember that I was somewhere for some reason, and there was a gentleman there who had listened to us on radio. And so I was telling him where the church was, and I was inviting him. You know, he's talking about how he enjoyed the program, and he listened to it. And I said, well, why don't you come to church? And his response was a very, very spiritual response. He said, I eat my beans at home. Of course, I'm being facetious, you know. But what he meant was, I don't go to church. I just stay at the house. I eat my beans at home. In other words, I'm going to pick and choose what I want to hear. And you know, that's what we all do when we go to YouTube or we go to web, various websites. We choose which ones we go to. We choose what we're listening to. And, and that's okay. But we need connections. And we need a connection to a local church body where there is a God-called, God-placed, God-sent, God-anointed pastor that is hearing from heaven to bring us a word in season and we come to church and maybe we hear something we didn't think we were going to hear that day. We, don't, we, we might not have chosen that topic, but the Holy Ghost chose it and spoke to us. And only the Holy Ghost can take one message from one man using one man's voice or woman's voice and bring a message that speaks to everybody in the room. But that's what the anointing can do and will do. And so we need to feed on the Word of God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According as his divine power, his dunamis, that's what the word power there is. And that's the same word that Jesus used when he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So this is Pentecostal power. This is miracle power. This is supernatural power. According as his divine power hath given. Notice past tense. Already been done. We're not waiting on this. And this is very, very important because a lot of people are waiting on a blessing. And they'll be waiting the next time you see them. They'll be waiting the next time you see them. They'll be waiting the next time you see them. Because faith is not future. 
Faith is now. Faith always ends in the glad confession, it's mine. I have it now. You might say, well, your body doesn't look like it. Well, it may not even feel like it either. But it is mine. By faith, I have it now. My body's just going to have to line up. My pocketbook's going to have to line up. Those relationships are going to have to change because my faith is at work. And I'm not going by what I see in the natural. My circumstances around me or how I feel do not determine to me what I believe God's Word determines what I believe, and what I believe declared from my mouth and acted on by faith will change my circumstances. Hallelujah. I like to tell the devil early in the morning, I, you know, as Jesus is, so am I in this world, and the wicked one touches me not. I like to let him know early in the day that I am not going to be a slave to him this day. He will not touch me. He will not harass me. No spirit of infirmity, no spirit of fear, no spirit of death, no kind of evil will befall me. Hallelujah. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so uh, he has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. You know, I don't think we're going to get through verse 9 tonight. But this is, this is good anyway. I need to hear all this. If you don't need to hear it, just pray for me. I, I, I can use this. According as his divine power has given unto us all things, what? All things that pertain unto life. That is zoe, Greek. That means the life and nature of God. That's important, you know. I don't stop and, and, and give a definition of every word and every verse, but... But these, these words are important that we're pointing out because this word is the word that was used in uh, John 3.16 when it referred to eternal life. This is not talking about physical life, even though it will affect you physically. This isn't talking about emotional life, even though it will affect you emotionally. This is talking about the life and the nature of Almighty God. Let me ask you this question. Are you expecting God to die Anytime soon? Are you expecting God to ever die? No, this life that we're talking about is so powerful in God that it is not possible for God to cease to live. As a matter of fact, God emanates such a life power that any person that gets into that presence, that's allowed into that presence... If they're, if they're godly, if they're one of God's own, then they'll not die. That's why Enoch and Elijah are still alive. Those two guys have not died yet. Why? Because they're there in the presence of God. Life, sustaining life. I like to say it this way. It's life as God has it, the God kind, and it's life as God knows it. Meaning that that's the kind of life we can live. So Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life. The God kind of life. And have it more abundantly. So that means super abundantly. More than enough. There is enough life to keep you alive on the planet until you finish your job. 
There's enough life. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life or quicken your mortal body. The body you're living in right now is the mortal body. It's going to die someday. It'll stop functioning someday and you're going to be with the Lord. But for a believer, that ought to be the day that you want to go. That ought to be when you're ready to go. Hallelujah. When you and God have decided, I'm satisfied, the work's done, the job's done, it's time for an extended vacation, I'm going to be with the Lord. How good is that? Paul got to that place, you know, and he said, it, to depart and be with Christ is far better. He wasn't afraid of death. He was ready to go. But even then, he said, but to stay here is more needful for you. Sounds like he had a choice. Somebody said, well, you know, I believe when your number's up, it's up. Well, what number do you have? Where did you get this number? Where, where did the Bible say you got a number? You know, if there was such a thing, I'd, I'd want him to say, take a number and get in line, and you're not next. Amen. <laughs> No, no, no. We, 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 we can live until we're satisfied with long life. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, uh, we, we, God has given us these exceeding, and I mean, He has given us all things, rather, that pertain unto life and godliness, piety, holiness. You know, one of the keys to living long is to live holy. I'm going to say that again. That was a very weak response. I'll give you another chance on that one. One of the keys to living long is to live holy. Unholy living will shorten your life. Licentious, lustful, evil decisions and indulgences will cut your life short. Amen. Again, that's not politically correct or very popular to preach but it's still the truth you see God's not taking people early people do check out early but God's not taking them somebody said well you know the Lord picked another flower are you kidding me you know you're not a flower I'm not a flower he's not gathering flowers for the master's bouquet Beautiful flowers that'll never decay, gathered by angels and carried away, forever to bloom in the master's bouquet. I know Doug could sung that with me, but he's ashamed to. He knows it. I know he knows it. No, he's not picking people and turning them into angels. He doesn't need any more angels. He sent Jesus for, to have redeemed children. And he wants us to stay here until we're finished. And then when we're satisfied with long life, we go and enjoy the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he has called us and given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness or piety, holiness, through the knowledge. Notice the word knowledge again. A little different Greek word, but still, through the knowledge, I'll, I'll give you the uh, Amplified again, verse 3, for His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the faith, 
full personal knowledge, full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence or virtue. He has called us to glory and excellence. Now it's about time for me to close, but I do want to point out that that word virtue there has to do with excellence. Do you remember in the Bible who it was that was testified of that he had an excellent spirit? That was Daniel. One of the finest characters in all of the Old Testament was Daniel. Such a powerful man of God. So highly elevated and exalted in the natural world. A confidant and a counselor of rulers and leaders. A man in whom the Spirit of God dwelled and, 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 and came upon him for ministry. and uh, He could interpret dreams. He, he heard from God. He could speak. And he spoke and prophesied things that would come to pass over a period of millenniums. He gave the history of mankind through to the end of the, even all the way to the Antichrist kingdom. Daniel prophesied it. He was a powerful man. And the Bible said he, has an, he had an excellent spirit. If any group should have excellence and be known for excellence, it ought to be born again, Holy Ghost filled, tongue-talking, Bible-believing, miracle-believing Christians. People who give and tithe and dance and shout and rejoice. The world may call us crazy, but they want to know what we know. If we manifest that excellent spirit, people will want to know what you know. How do you do what you do? You, one thing about it, you'll be so happy, they'll, they'll think you've got to be up to something. How, how could you live in a world like today and still have a smile? How could you still have peace? How could you still be joyful? Well, it's because the Spirit of God dwells within us. So He's called us to glory and to excellence. Whereby are given unto us, verse 4, exceeding great and precious promises that by these, these precious promises... You might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, sometimes the devil comes around and through religious brainwashing, sometimes he causes people to take the wrong road. And you know, uh, I don't know what all kind of a background everybody here grew up in. I don't know what kind of churches you came from in your past. And I'm not putting anybody down, but I know for me, uh, my background we weren't really ever taught that much about receiving the promises. We actually sung a song, Standing on the Promises. I know you'd be disappointed if we didn't sing a little bit of it. Standing on the promises. You know, remember the chorus? Standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ my Savior. Standing. Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. We would sing that song and nobody ever talked about any promise to stand on. You sing the whole song, all four verses or how many there are, and you go home and 
What promise was it? Nobody ever told us about that. We kind of had this idea that if you really went after the promises, you're probably greedy. If you really stood on the promises, you're a little bit out there. You're kind of fanatic. Do you really believe God would heal you today? And, you know, maybe he'd heal a headache, but, you know, he doesn't heal heart trouble or he doesn't heal cancer. You know, that's the way people think. It's not necessarily said from the pulpit. It's not necessarily said in the aisles of the church. But it's kind of an under undercurrent that, you know, we don't want to ask for too much. I think of another song that comes to me at this point in time. It's me again, Lord. I've got a prayer that needs an answer. It's me again, Lord. I've got a problem that I can't solve. Now listen to this part. And we would sing this in church. Now I don't mean to worry you. Here I am facing something new. And I need help that only comes from you. It's me again, Lord. And you can just, wow, see? What a song. Can you imagine God in heaven saying, I sent Jesus. And he literally died on the cross. Descended into hell and, 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 and defeated the devil and became sin with our sins. Became cursed with our curse. For you to pray and sing to me that you, you don't really want to bother me. Folks, if God didn't want to be bothered, you'd be already in hell. If God was out to get you, you'd be got. God loves you. God cares for you. He loves you so much that he robed himself in flesh and came to the earth to give himself so that you could be in fellowship with him. When I couldn't get to God, God came to me. When I could not ascend to the throne of heaven, he made a way for me and said, Come boldly into the throne of grace to find help and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm so thankful tonight that God wants me to enjoy the exceeding great and precious promises that Jesus bought and paid for. Hallelujah. I don't want to insult God by saying, well, you know, I don't want to bother you. You know, I've got seven grandkids. Can you imagine if they were at my house and they came up to me trembling and fell down on their knees and weeping with tears and said, do you believe? <laughs> oh, could you maybe just spare a cracker, Poppy? You know, that would be so crazy. But people somehow think that's some way that we should approach God that way. No, when you come based on the Word and you remind Him of His Word, you return His Word, when you go to prayer and you say, God, you said. He doesn't look at you and say, you smart aleck, get down in your place. No, that's when He says, come on, get up a little closer to the throne. Bring my Word to me. Give me a legal opportunity to reach through the mess of the world and the curse of the law and the curse of sin and all that demonic mess. Give me the opportunity to legally put on you a blessing that even the world has to acknowledge God has blessed those people. Amen. That's where he's trying to take us.
And so Peter wrote this book not long before he died. And so when you hear a man's last words, they usually have significance. And these surely do. He's wanting us to, he just kind of jam-packs all kinds of great things in these verses. And he talks about the promises that are exceeding great and precious. And that through them, through partaking of the promise, the promises, we partake of the divine nature. And we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you want to know how to walk in victory? Stand on the promises. Don't, don't just sing about it. Do it. Amen. And then, of course, he goes on to say, beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And he gives us a list of things. And that's what we'll talk about, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor and glorify and magnify you. You are our Father, our very own Father. The devil has no place in us. The wicked one touches us not. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Father, open our eyes to see. Help us to partake of this wonderful knowledge that you have told us about through these scriptures. And again and again, that word knowledge is used. It's so important that we see from your perspective. That we know what you know. We know, Lord, that we don't need to know everything you know. We're not God. But there are some things you want us to know. And everything revealed in Scripture, you want us to know. These exceeding great and precious promises, they're available to us. Help us, Lord, to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.